At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. In a culture growing in hostility, it's clear how far we are from what the kingdom of God should look like. As followers of Christ, it can be difficult to stand firm in what we are taught and what we believe in. It's easy to let idols slip into our lives without us even realizing it, especially when the world we live in puts people on a pedestal. In our new series, Daniel, The Clash of Cultures, we'll be looking at the life of Daniel and how even then Daniel had to navigate a culture who opposed God. We'll discover how we can put our trust in God regardless of our circumstances and how God is sovereign over all. Join us this new year as we study the life of Daniel and learn how to apply the truths inside this book to our own lives. Amen. Thanks, team, for leading us in a time of worship. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn to the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 2, as we continue this study of the first six chapters of this book, as we look at six strategic stories that Daniel recounts that he and his friends experienced as they navigated faithfulness to God in a culture that was very hostile to God. Daniel chapter 2. And I just wanted to say, church family, how, how deeply we love you and grateful for you. Uh, I, I know that the announcement of last week caught many people off guard and you've had all kinds of emotions. And I just want to thank you for your words of affirmation and encouragement to us. Um, I love how you're leaning forward into the future that God has. Um, celebrating certainly the past that God has given to us, and we treasure that. I mean, it has dramatically changed our lives. It's marked us forever. And I say us like you and me, all of us. Um, but God's got some wonderful things in store. And I'm so glad, Chris, that you and your family are here today and look forward to seeing what God's going to do. Because, uh, yeah, amen. Yep. Caleb and Christian, thanks for sitting in the front row. That's awesome. Do you do this every week? They chose the front row. I vote yes. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Daniel 2, let's dive in. Uh, there is a route that our family sometimes takes when we travel to Pennsylvania to visit family. We don't always take this route, but this is the route I would choose. The easiest route, the straightest and maybe shortest route, is the turnpike. The Ohio and then Pennsylvania turnpike, and you throw out 75 bucks or whatever that is to get, to get home. That's one of the reasons why I like the other route. It takes us through a small mountain range of north of the turnpike there, what is it, I-80, I think, and it takes you through. It's beautiful. It's scenic. You could see the cliff, you know, down the cliffs off the side of the road, which always keeps the driver more alert. Uh, it only takes 20 minutes longer, so that's not a big deal. And there you don't have to pay tolls, so that's great. I like that route much better, except that because it's going through the mountain range, the northern mountain range, and because there's more turns and twists on this route, you're more apt to encounter a shutdown. 
It might be a snow squall that pushes through and closes off the road for a bit of time. It might be a jackknife semi. It might be a broken down vehicle. You never know what it is because you're miles back because on this route, there's really no easy way around those types of things because it's so remote. Well, maybe your life encounters an experience kind of like that. That there's times where you think, no, this is great. I love the view. Things are going great. I love the scenery. We're getting where we want to go. And then something happens. It feels like it's a complete shutdown. Maybe it's a a job loss. Maybe it's the loss of of a loved one that just causes that deep grief in your heart that feels like, how can we go on from here? Maybe it's a transition in your church. Uh, Maybe it's a strained relationship in your family where you feel like the distance between you and your spouse or you and your child or whatever seems to to get further apart than closer together. And you feel like, man, what once was seems to have now completely shut down. And I wonder if that's what Daniel and his friends experienced. Man, they had some hard times, of course, in the exile, right? Where their beloved Jerusalem was conquered by the Babylonian Empire. Probably their families were either killed or brought with them into exile into Babylon. They, as young men, were put under the tutelage of the Babylonian Empire. Their lives changed dramatically. And yet, in the midst of that, God gave them favor. There was success. They were promoted. They were in places of influence. And so even then, the journey seems to kind of hit a groove. And they're going in the right direction. And in chapter 2, all these things that God seemed to be giving them, wisdom, favor, success, promotion, and influence. God was giving them all these things. And suddenly, due to the rash command of a king, it seemed like all those things were now being taken away. Complete shutdown. Which leaves us to that question. So how how did they remain faithful to God when it seemed like God's fingers let through some destructive things, where it seemed like maybe God's hint of control now was coming into question? Well, it seems that they continued to cling to God because they were committed to their belief that regardless of what it looks like, regardless of circumstances, they believed that God is greater. That God is greater than anything that comes into their life, that any circumstance, any message the circumstance seems to suggest. That God is greater. So let me tell you the story. Just for sake of time. Daniel chapter 2. Read it on your own, please. But the king of Babylon had a dream. This was important because the kings of the east at that time, when they were given a dream, they believed that was a message from the gods. So, of course, King Nebuchadnezzar wanted to know what in the world this dream meant. 
So he called the highest of his advisors to him, the scribes, the, the sorcerers, the priests and psychics. Surely they'd be able to tell him what the dream meant. So he asked the wise men to, to give him the message, give him the meaning, and they said, sure, we'll be glad to help you. One thing though, king, just tell us what the dream is and we'll be glad to tell you the meaning. And he said, I'm on to your ways. No, you can make up anything. No, if, you're no, if you are who you say you are, no, you tell me what I dreamed and then tell me what it means. <laughs> to which they replied, uh, King, nobody on earth can do such a thing. He says, ha, fakes. That's what you are. And like the queen of hearts, off with your heads. In fact, not only yours, but all your students, all those that are in this category of wise men in the land, since you're not so wise, I have no use for you. So he sent out his emissaries to put them all to death. All of them includes Daniel and his three friends. This is what verse 12 says. Because of this, the king was angry and very furious and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So the decree went out and the wise men were about to be killed. And they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. So Daniel appealed to the king. He said, king, give me some time and I'll bring you the interpretation. Why would Daniel have any hope of having anything further than what these scholars of Babylon had. I mean, they were, the, they were the teachers, right? I mean, isn't this some kind of an irony? When Daniel and his friends were brought under their tutelage, given them intense indoctrination into the Chaldean culture to begin to teach them how these wise men think, and it was the wise men that couldn't figure out the meaning of the dream. And it was Daniel and his friends that pressed into that. Why in the world would Daniel have hope? How could they have any confidence that they could find success here? Well, it's the same answer to the question, how can you have confidence when your journey seems to be shut down? When you hear the diagnosis about your grandchild or when you get the news from your boss or from your doctor, when the election doesn't go your way, when things in your life seems to crumble, how can you have confidence? Three things I think we see this in this passage. Number one, they saw that God's wisdom is greater than any other wisdom. God's wisdom is greater. Look in verse 17. Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. And then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. 
Here, all the magicians and the sorcerers and the psychics couldn't come up with anything. Daniel and his friends went to God, believing that God is greater, and they discovered that God's wisdom far exceeds any wisdom of the highest of wise on this earth. I mean, the Chaldean culture was, was the cutting edge. You know, they were, the, they were the learned in the world. The way they discerned and discovered and calculated movements of the moon and the sun and the stars and the planets and the comets. I mean, everyone knew that these advisors were the best in the world. But they had their limit, didn't they? All wisdom has its limit, <laughs> except for God. God's wisdom is searchless. It's limitless. For God, it was, it was no harder to reveal what the dream was than it was to tell what the dream meant. And all the wisdom and insight is limited except for the wisdom of God. So Daniel and his friends, they prayed. And God revealed it. And immediately after understanding the mystery, Daniel blessed God with thanksgiving. Here's the prayer. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. Verse 23. And to you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise for you've given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we asked of you for you've made known to us the king's matter. Here's something Daniel latches on to that is so important for us. We can celebrate that God has all wisdom that his wisdom is limitless, that his understanding is unsearchable. We can celebrate that. That needs to be celebrated and embraced. Here's the cool thing about God. He loves to share it. The whole book of Daniel is built on this concept that God is a, re of, is a revealer of mysteries. God loves to reveal his wisdom to those that seek him. That God is a revealing God. He's not a God that hides in the closet. God is a God who reveals his wisdom through things that are made, through his, his supernatural, eternal word that we have in front of us, through his spirit that dwells within us. God loves to reveal his wisdom. James captured this attribute of God when he wrote, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously to all who without reproach, and it will be given to him. As a child of God, let's, let's, let's hold on to that. That God loves to share his wisdom with those that seek him. This is a, this is a consequence of your salvation. That when you give your life to Jesus, when, when he transforms you from death to life because of your faith and trust in Jesus, 
The scripture teaches that he gives us the mind of Christ, the ability to understand spiritual things that we couldn't otherwise understand in our natural mind. 1 Corinthians 2 says, For we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. We impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. He is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. That with your eternal life God gives to you, he gives to you the mind of the Spirit so that every day of your existence you can experience that receiving of the revelation from God, an understanding of spiritual things. Now, if you had those thoughts of, well, there's still some things I don't understand. Well, yeah, God, God reveals that gradually to us. Could you imagine if God just downloaded every spiritual understanding to you? You couldn't handle that. And plus, remember, God's desire is not just so that you know what he knows. God desires you to know him that he reveals his wisdom to you so that you know him because your satisfaction, your joy does not come from what you know. But satisfaction in life comes with who you know, that is your creator God, that desires you to find all your substance of life in him. So he reveals those spiritual truths to you so that you would know him. One of our own, one of our guys here at our campus, Dave Malkowitz. Some of you know who I'm talking about. Dave is a great fisherman. How many love to fish here? Chris, look around. Okay, all right, just so you know that. They, many of them have boats, you bet, and they share their fish. This is pretty awesome. Dave's a great fisherman. He has captain's license. But there's something that he enjoys more than catching fish. He enjoys watching others catch fish. In his line of work, he discovered there was lots of people in our world that will never have the joy of being out on the water catching fish because of their physical disabilities, whether it's paralysis or whether it's an injury that's happened or a birth defect or, or for whatever reason, because of their limitations, they would never expect to be out on the water, to feel the fishing pole in their hand and the tug of a fish on their line. And so Dave and his friends started this nonprofit called No Limits Fishing. And during the fishing season, twice a week, multiple times that day, he takes some people out on that boat that otherwise would have no chance to fish. And he gives them that experience of being on the world-class fishing destination for bass and walleye uh, right here in our backyard. And folks come from all over the metro Detroit area to experience, many of them, the very first time actually fishing from a boat. As Dave expresses that in No Limits Fishing, he is reflecting the characteristic of your God. 
A God that knows all things, the God that is limitless in his understanding, but a God that loves to share that wisdom with the rest of us, with his children, with all those that seek him. Daniel and his friends trusted in a God that knew, trusted in a God that enjoys revealing that no limits wisdom to those that seek him. Let's keep reading. Verse 26. The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, are you truly able to make known to me the dream that I've seen in its interpretation? Daniel answered the king and said, no wise man, no enchanter, no magician, no astrologer can show to the king the mystery the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries and has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dreams and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. And in this vision, God revealed that no, no, not only is his wisdom greater than all wisdom, God's kingdom is greater than all kingdoms. There is no kingdom that can outmatch the kingdom of God and revealed that through this dream. Here's the dream. We'll put the graphic on the screen so you can see this. Daniel says, King, you saw a vision of a huge statue with a head of gold and a chest of silver with thighs of bronze and legs of iron and feet mixed with iron and clay. And then a huge stone was cut out of the mountain. And it, it was a, a stone not made with human hands. And it struck the statue's feet and the entire image came crashing down. The stone became a mountain filled that filled the earth. And then Daniel gives the interpretation. He said, King, the head of gold represents you. That would have made King Nebuchadnezzar feel good, wouldn't it? He's the head of gold, the smart one. The rich one, the powerful one. And then king, after you will come another kingdom inferior to you. And then after that will come another. And then the fourth, strong as iron, but that kingdom will divide and lose its strength. And then the key, verse 44. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall be left to another people it shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end and it shall stand forever. Just as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand, that it broke in pieces the iron and the bronze and the clay and the silver and the gold. A great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain and interpretations are sure. Most historians agree that this vision predicted kingdoms that would come, specifically the Medo-Persian Empire, and then the Greek Empire, and then the Roman Empire. I'd love to take time to dive into that because there's some really wonderful things there, just some things that will help you have such assurance that God does know the future. If you're wondering about what be it, this election coming up here this later this year, God's got that. As we've said, he always casts the deciding vote. 
He knows what's happening. If you're looking at the other world powers that are out there thinking, oh no, what's God knows. You don't have to fear. He's got it in his control. But the most important thing we don't want you to miss is this stone cut out of a mountain, not made with human hands. No doubt this symbolizes the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Peter identified Jesus as the stone that causes men to stumble and the rock that makes them fall. We can look back from our vantage point now and look back and see that, oh, yes, he did come. He came, born of a virgin, conceived by the Holy Spirit, not formed by human hands. He did come to shake the kingdoms of the world. And he promised that one day his kingdom would fill the entire earth and all kingdoms would bow to him. David and his friends lived according to this premise that God's kingdom cannot be overpowered, that his rule will last for all of eternity. And it was a warning to King Nebuchadnezzar that though you feel like the greatest king in all the world, you know what's going to happen? Someone's going to come after you. You know what happened to them? Someone's going to come after them. And after that, somebody else. But all of them are submissive to the stone cast down from a mountain, not cut with hands, a stone that will form a kingdom that no kingdom can trump. So what do you do when your fears seem to rise, when shutdown happens in your life? Well, realize that there's not a kingdom that you would build that's going to last forever. It's not designed to, but God's will. And he's invited you to share in his kingdom. And that, and that those things that he calls you to commit your life to will never disappoint you. Following him, committed to his mission, knowing him personally, those things truly will last forever. And then there's this really cool way this story closes. And Daniel and his friends reveal through this dream that God is greater than all authority. Here's, listen to this. Verse 47, the king answered. This is the king of Nebuchadnezzar. He said to Daniel, truly your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. Do you get that? Let me read that again. Okay, go back to that. Uh-huh, thank you. Truly your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries. This is a pagan king. That because of Daniel's revelation of God's wisdom, concluded, man, no one matches the king of heaven. This, this wasn't a statement of salvation for King Nebuchadnezzar. Right, because you notice he says, well, it's your God. No, he's best. This is the beginning of the road. And no, even for those you're praying for that don't yet know Jesus, it is a journey. And every time God reveals to them, it moves them a step closer to coming to that full awareness and full understanding of God's grace. 
God is moving this pagan king towards this recognition that God is a God that can even offer King Nebuchadnezzar redemption. Jesus said this is essential. John 17, verse 3, Jesus is praying before his crucifixion. He says to his father, now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you sent. Daniel would write more about this son of man, about this Jesus, God's one and only son. He would describe him as the son of man in his book. But here, barely 20 years old, Daniel recognizes the reality of the most powerful king in the world, humbled as he realized that no one matches the power of Yahweh, the God of heaven. This is a foreshadowing of the scene that will one day be seen all across the world. Paul declared it in Philippians 2 when he says, Every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. This one day will occur. And the question is, will your knee be forced to bow or will you be humbly bowing before the king, willingly bowing because of your great admiration for this king, for this God? So we live in a culture that rejects this God of limitless wisdom. We live in a culture that tries to make him irrelevant, that tries to get so busy with the trivial things that there's no reason to even think about God. We live in a culture whose education system tries to convince our young people and their parents That the knowledge of God is not essential to knowing true understanding. We live in a culture that tries to push God to the margins. It keeps him in the churches, right? And out of city, city life. But just imagine a group of believers scattered all around the world that would truly believe in a limitless God that would truly believe in a God who knows all things, a God who rules over all kingdoms, and even those human kingdoms that form are simply living out a purpose that God has ordained from the beginning. Imagine what would happen a church that believed in a God that was sovereignly in control of all things. Imagine what that church would pursue. Imagine the courage the church would have no matter what culture it was in. Maybe that explains why, as you look at many places around the world, the suffering church continues to be bold. Maybe, maybe that's why people who are told, no, it is illegal for you to share the message of Jesus, still do it. Because they believe that actually God's the God of gods and he's the king of kings. Why is it that some young people go through any kind of education system and come out shining as gold, trusting in the Father, even when that education system was denying the existence of God? Maybe it's because those young people clung to a higher truth, that there is a God who reigns and can't be stopped regardless of what people think about him. 
Just imagine what a small little church in Algonac, the impact it will make in this greater area if the whole congregation believed in a God that has limitless wisdom and loves to share it with his people, whose authority reigns over all authority, and his power is, is offered to the rest of us, to all of his children. Imagine the influence that we would have. When shutdowns in life occur, we trust God. We trust him that he has a way, he has a purpose, that these are simply opportunities to reveal a God who knows all things. And so we follow him. Let's build our life on that, shall we? Let's do that. Father, thank you for being a God that reveals yourself to us. Thank you for not hoarding this understanding of the world and understanding of spiritual things. Thank you for generously giving to us as your people, Lord, an understanding of how we can even know you personally. Thank you for revealing to us the message of Jesus, your one and only son who was offered to us, Lord, that came to live in our world as human. Now, as human, he served us ultimately to that point of dying in our place, rising from the dead to conquer sin that, that, that threatened us, and now lives today as our Lord and our Savior. Thank you for that. Lord, forgive us for those times that we doubt you, that we think that circumstances, Lord, maybe are suggesting that you're not in control. Forgive us for those times that we wrestle control to ourselves and, and we begin to make our own paths. We begin to form our own way, Lord, instead of following the shepherd that is always with us. So we ask that you'd be with us, continue to inspire us with your truth, and may we stand even in a culture that is hostile to you. We love you, Lord. We want to build our lives on this truth, this truth that you are king and we will reign with you. We want to be young people that follow you. We want to be parents that raise our families to know you. We want to be grandparents that influence the next generation for you. We want to be citizens in a community that seeks the good in our city. We want to be people that share with others as we have opportunity the incredible riches of glory in Jesus. So change us, empower us, Lord, we pray. This is our desire. Work in our hearts as we meditate on these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. Let's sing it. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org slash connect to introduce yourself today.